Welcome to Just Talk with Justine, a podcast for breast cancer survivors and supporters. Just Talk with Justine is a platform where breast cancer survivors can share their journeys. If we can help just one person who's listening today, we've accomplished our goal. My guest today is a graduate from FSU with a degree in psychology. She was diagnosed with HR-positive invasive breast cancer, stage 2. She will be married 30 years and has two grown beautiful children. She loves her dogs. Please, let's welcome my warrior sister, Vicki Migots. Hi, Vicki. Hi, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, no. The pleasure, believe you me, is all mine. All mine. So, Vicki, I don't know much about HR too positive. Can you tell me what that means, please? What type of cancer I have um, just means that the tumor grows and thrives with estrogen and progesterone, uh, the hormones in your body. So because of that, that determines the type of treatment is that's best for me. Okay. Now, was breast cancer ever in your family? No, that was the surprising part for me. Um, we don't have a history of breast cancer. I had had mammograms religiously since I was 40. They were all clean. There was no problem, no indication. And um, I actually found the breast cancer, found a lump right after we came back from vacation with my family. Uh, we're coming back from the mountains in North Carolina. It was my husband, my oldest child, Carly, their fiance, and my dog. And uh, we came back that day. I was riding the high of vacation, yeah. feeling good, and found a pretty big lump in my oh breast. Oh, God, how scary. It really was. And it was pretty clear that was a cause for concern. Yeah. So you immediately called your doctor and um, went and got. I sure did. What'd you get? Um, well, I immediately called the next day, got an appointment, which, you know, if you know me, I I tend to procrastinate some things. Mm-hmm. I gloss over things. I'm I, I'm very positive. I will tend. It's fine. Right, right. No me worries. Too. Mm-hmm. But I knew this was something not to mess with. So, yeah, I went the next day. And she agreed and sent me for a diagnostic mammogram and an ultrasound the following week. And then did you have to have a um, a biopsy? Yes. Yeah. And then immediately I, I met with a radiologist who said, yes, we need a biopsy of that area, as well as some, some suspicious areas in the lymph nodes. Okay. And that's when you had a, did you have a mastectomy? No, fortunately it was in the area that it was, I was able to have a lumpectomy, a pretty big lumpectomy. Actually, they took about like the third of the breast off, like the top part, including the nipple. So is Um, your breast a little distorted or? uh, It looks a little different, maybe a cup size different than it was before. Okay. Uh, A little bit of Barbie on one side, which is okay. Yeah. Hey, you're Uh, alive. (laughs) Exactly. And I had a lumpectomy on the other side too. But that was uh, non-cancerous. Now, was that done at the same time? Yes. Yeah. Oh, The okay. biopsies were done differently, but the lumpectomies were done together. Oh. So, which was not a bad recovery. It was two weeks I was out, um, went back to work, no problems. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That is interesting. So, to generate that second biopsy you had um, on the other breast, e- the reason you had that, I'm, I'm not quite sure. So when they did the mammogram, they saw something on the other breast too? Yes. Yeah. One of the follow-up mammograms, I forgot what it was for, maybe putting in one of the markers for the surgery. Uh-huh. They found another suspicious area. 
Okay. And so just wanted to make sure that that was okay. So, so we you, took that out with no problem. So when you did the biopsy, don't when you have to lay on that table and your boobs hang down, did you do that one? Um, do you remember? No, I think I was on my back on that one. Okay, because you so, know which one I'm talking about. Like, I don't know if you know, but they have like, you lay on this table and there's two holes and your boobs go in there and the doctor's kind of like under the table. That's how my radiation was. That's kind of how I was positioned oh. for that. Um, I had the direct radiation uh-huh. you know, later on. But yeah, but okay. I think during the, the biopsy, I was laying on my back and it was just you know, a lot of shoving it in and right, cutting right. in. So they didn't take any any lymph nodes out? They did. Uh, they did take, um, I think, four or six lymph nodes out um, to test them too. Okay. But uh, they were clean, fortunately. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. So did they, do they tell you, you, you um, when you go get blood work or anything, you have to go on another arm because of that? No. In fact, um, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, but right after the surgery, you know, we, that's when you decide where other, what treatment's going to be next. Okay. Um, and, you know, we were deciding at that point, we knew radiation was going to be a treatment for now, sure. And, and how long were those? How long? How many radiation treatments did you have? I had uh, four weeks of radiation, four weeks of daily radiation. Every day? Yes. Yeah. And that was easy. That part really wasn't bad because that came kind of at the end of the treatment process. Because right after surgery, um, they took out the tumor uh-huh. and they um, sent the tumor to, uh, to test the tumor. To do a, a genomic test on the tumor. Okay. So not like a genetic test where you test yourself, you know, um, looking at your own genetics and if you're predetermined for cancer. Um, but this is a test only on the tumor. And that tells you, that kind of guides you about what treatment is best for you or if you can benefit from chemotherapy. Oh, so a genomic test will tell you if you can benefit from the chemo, which, yes. which you, did you? you didn't- I did. Yeah. So we did the first genomic test. Um, send it to the lab and this certain type of test gives you, um, a, a, a number on a continuum. So okay. the lowest number, it means your, your tumor doesn't grow very fast and you would not benefit from chemotherapy. Like the drawbacks of chemotherapy greatly outweigh the benefits, um, to a higher number that tells you that, uh, you are going to benefit from chemotherapy because it's likely to come back. It's a high, gro- high, fast growing cancer. And it's highly likely. So your number was high enough to to warrant. Well, in it, it, then um, my number was in the gray area. There's a gray area. So there's mm, of course a, there's a know, gray area. There's a you know highly likely to come back, not likely to come back, and a gray area. So mine, of course, is in the gray area. Um, my doctor, my doctors were mixed on what to do, and at that time they had there was a brand new sur- or study that was coming in. And a study that uh, like reduced the gray area. So I thought this is going to be great. Right. Now, instead of having this big range of the gray area, now there's a much smaller range. So clearly my number will be, it'll be clear what to do. But they made the range smaller, but my number was still in the high part of the gray area. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know what to do. Um, So I consulted all my doctors. I got a second opinion. The doctors presented at the tumor board at the hospital to get everyone else's opinion. Tumor board. I know. That was wow. Very a tumor board. There's a board for everything, isn't yes, there? Yes, yeah. Well, that thank God there's a tumor board. Yes. And I was glad that I had the opportunity to, you know, pursue all these other opinions. And based on that, I, we determined that I would, it was a good risk to take because I was young. 
you know, I was, you know, in my early fifties, I was really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I was kind of young to have this, this growing tumor. So at that point you, you chose to have the chemo. Yes. Yeah. Now, now I had chemo when I was very young and back then, I mean, I'm 61 now and I had it all done through my, my arms. That's why I have no veins left today. So did you have a port put in? Well, they were planning on putting the port in. Um, I had uh, a surgery to schedule the port in. And then I was doing some of my own research, looking at it. And, uh, you know, my they were suggesting the chemotherapy was only going to be four rounds, four to six rounds. So not that many compared to many people. Yeah, many people have a lot, like 50. And, yes, yeah, I know. Yes. So four rounds didn't seem too bad. Four rounds over three months. So was that with the port you're saying now? Well, they were trying to get me to get the port. But I've always had really good veins. Like oh, you know, I would go get blood. Okay. And, and oh, I nurses see. would say, oh, I love your veins. They're gotcha, great. gotcha. And so I asked about it and they said it was my choice and I didn't get the port. So I didn't have the extra surgery. Okay, good. Which means another surgery, yeah, more see, likelihood that port for scares an infection. Me. And I didn't get one. So you did yours through your veins too. Yes. Cool. And the veins did great throughout the whole time. Awesome. But I was awesome. lucky. The type of chemotherapy I had allowed me to choose some you can't even choose yeah I imagine it, it has to be the port because of how terrible right. the, the, the drugs are yeah my chemo was so old back then that they don't even that that combo of drugs they don't even do anymore they consider it barbaric believe it or not yeah really oh. it's it's horrible well, it's the a barbaric side, process anyway anyway yes imagine you're absolutely right now did you have any side effects did you were you be, oh so many so tell so, me well I, I was lucky i really was um I mean, there's a nausea. There was fatigue. It's not even fatigue. Did you have exhaustion. to? Did you have to try? Did Did they give you anything for nausea? Oh yes, yeah. I had a couple different meds that really helped me out. Um, so I stayed pretty good with that. Um, and then the side effects of you know losing your fingernails. You know they don't tell you, you lost about that. your fingernails. Oh yeah, they turn a weird color. Your fingernails fall off. It, your it, fingernails fell off. It affects everything that grows. I have you know, never your hair, heard your that. My toenails, so toenails. Your yeah. toenails fell off. Mm-hmm, some did. Oh, I, I mean, I get hair. the eyebrows, the eyelashes, mm-hmm. and you lost your hair. Yes. Oh yes, definitely. and I think that's how we met. You were wearing a scarf mm-hmm. and you were absolutely gorgeous. Oh. And I wasn't just saying that, but you were. And um, I was very impressed with your scarf and your look. And I thought, wow, I she's met a warrior. you at the roughest time of my life. Wow. I tell you. Well, with no fingernails. That still blows me away, though. Well, what I had, I, you probably remember, I wore a nail polish all the time because I had to. Otherwise, I mean, I don't normally wear nail polish. I don't normally yeah, do yeah, that. But yeah, yeah you kind of had to just cover that up. Yeah. So um, did your hair fall out like in clumps? And was that must have been. Did you ever wear a wig? Um. I did actually end up getting a wig uh, because I really, I really felt I needed hair. Um, the hair thing was, I think, the hardest piece for me. It it happened shortly after the first round of chemotherapy. The first you round? Know, yes. It, uh, within the first 10 days after the first dose of, of chemotherapy. Uh-huh. Because I think it was especially hard because people knew that you were sick at that point. I could have the first round of chemotherapy. I was sick as I've ever been that first week. It was the hardest. It was right before Christmas. Ugh. I could go out and Christmas shop around people. And I, and I nobody would know because you look. Yeah, no yeah. one knew. But then, and which I liked. I right. liked that. I could kind of hide a little bit with my hair. I could pull it right, down. You don't right. have to see anything. 
But then losing your hair, it's clear to everybody. It's very traumatic. Yeah. It's like giving everyone's our women, out there. Our, we as women, our hair is our main, you know, it's our, it's who yeah. we are. And it, it shouldn't define us, but unfortunately yeah. it does. Yeah. It's part of it. Yeah. I still have on my phone a folder of pictures of good hair. I label good hair because oh, I like to go funny. back and go. Oh, I love the long blonde hair. Well, your hair grew back. <laughs> oh, well, beautiful. It's, it's slow. Going, I remember. Oh, I remember when it was really short and it was so <laughs> soft and so cute. It Maybe really was. Everybody was touching your head. Remember that? I do. And yeah. I didn't mind that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you lose everything. I think with that, and and you know that kind of went along with you know your femininity. You yeah. lose your hair. You're losing your breasts. You're losing your fingernails. I like, know. What's next? I know that chemo just kills everything. Yeah. Just kills Come everything for a little while too. Yeah. Yeah. You get the chemo brain. So yes, absolutely. So let me ask you: When um, before you got sick? You were active, uh, evidently, because yes. you're in great shape. Um, so you. were you a runner, a walker? Uh, what kept you in shape? Um, I always did a little bit of running, walking, yoga, um, some weights too. But I would fluctuate. You know, I would be, you know, super healthy for a while. And then, you know, you know not so healthy for a little bit too. And then do it again. But and, got, and then and then it, you did you have to build yourself back up, obviously, your stamina and your your to get over your fatigue. Are you back 100 percent now, do you think? You know, I think I'm actually better than I was before. I when I was first diagnosed, I really felt the need to take control of something. I you're not in control of, of everything. You know, it's you feel very very anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think my way of dealing with it is being control. And my way of being control would be to be as healthy as possible. Good for you. If I could do that, I'm strong enough to get through surgery. I could get through chemotherapy. Did you, did you change your diet? Rad well, yeah, radically. I gave up sugar uh, for a very long time, you know, no alcohol. I was, I mean, my diet was just beautiful. Wow. I was doing yoga, meditating. So it was very mind, body, spiritual. Very soulful. It helped me get through it. Are you continuing that? Or have you gone back to some of your older ways or? It's hard to continue in the same way. Um, certainly when I was out during chemotherapy, I wasn't working. I took three months off. And during that time, my job That's was to get better. just to make, yeah, just to be the healthiest person, person I could, you could be. be. That's awesome. That is great. Yeah. But now, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What really helped me out, I got to say, um, was you certainly I was healthy during the time. Um, between my third and fourth round of chemotherapy, I still did a 5K with with both my children. Wow. Uh, Carly's fiance was there. So the four, four of us, uh, ran the race and it was for the lady track shack race for uh, breast cancer. Uh, for is, breast that where cancer I, is that, is, is that where I met you? Were you I was that's, at that one, right? That's where I went to a table and I found the most amazing group of survivor women, the best support group I've ever found my tribe of women, the women who got me through this, who are just strong, amazing, badass women who got me into a sport I love, but who got me into a sisterhood. That's awesome. And, and unsolicited, that is Warriors on Water. And we are Central Florida's only breast cancer survivor dragon boat team. So if you 
listeners know anything about dragon boating, uh, there was a, there still is a Dr. McKenzie who discovered it uh, back in the early 90s that dragon boating was great for the upper body. So women uh, facing challenges with um, lymphedema, it helped them. And it and it reduced the inflammation that they were experiencing. Now it's a growing thing. I mean, there are breast cancer survivor teams across the world, across the world. So and it's a blessing for me as well. And to have met you there. And um, I remember that day that you had your family there. And I thought to myself, wow, what a beautiful support system you have. You know, every you, you look like a very close knit family. And I think that is key. To, to women recovering is to have a support system like that. Yes. And your family is so important and I, I wouldn't know what to do without them. They were amazing. But I remember when I was first diagnosed, you know, I, I work with therapists and behavior analysts and I had this one close friend and a colleague who's again, a therapist and behavior analyst come to me and say, get someone to talk to, get someone to talk to. And I said, well, I certainly, but my husband's amazing. He's been through cancer. You know, he's the most amazing man. I can talk to him about anything. But she was so right. And I still can talk to him about anything. But you do need someone who's removed a bit from it oh, as well. Interesting. You really do. Um, I worry about his emotions, too. And, and so I could just complain to people. But you really need the tribe of women I found. And That's awesome. from the minute I met this team. I went out there to see what it would be like. I'm thinking, I'll get a little workout. I'll meet some women. Yeah, It'll yeah, be nice. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, what yeah. Getting you know into. how women are a bunch of crazy women. Now uh, we are. I was welcomed with open arms. You, you didn't know me from a hole in the head. I got there. I, I'm I a hugger. Well, I thought you, you were just me beautiful. To your birthday party. I did. You invited me to your home for this amazing celebration. You didn't know who I was. Oh, I was no. welcomed the minute I was there. Oh, and that's I felt, so cool. Yeah, like sisterhood. And I was pushed and, and did things I've never thought I could do before with this team. Yeah. When you're on that boat, you do things you never thought you could do before. Yes. Oh my God. And I am yeah. so not an athlete. And sometimes we really push ourselves. We are athletes though. It feels like it when you're out there, we paddle through monsoons to come in second place. We, I, we wakeboarded with, you know, I know. A, a national. Uh, I know it's incredible. I know sometimes it's crazy. I think about that things and what, uh, what we've done, what we've done. Did you ever keep a journal? I did. In fact, I started reading through it today before I got here. Really? I, I hadn't looked through it in a long time and I didn't do a whole lot, but yeah, it really brought me back to it. It really did. And seeing the growth and seeing. Do you still ever put and put entries in that journal? Not as often as I need to. I, I saw some about six months after I uh, finished treatment mm -hmm. um, and kind of looking back and seeing all the growth. Okay. Very, That's very cool. Part. Now, let me ask you another question. When you're not having a good day, when you, when you were in treatment and not having a good day, what did you do um, during that day? Did you, do you, are you like, oh, I'm going to stay in the covers and put the covers over my head and stay in bed all day? Or was there anything special to try to get you out of that? I think I had to remind myself what makes me feel better? You know, what behaviors do I need to engage in that make me feel better? Whether it was calling a friend, um, whether it was making sure I had that 
smoothie in the morning that I always have, whether it was some yoga that would help me through it. Um, Depending on what it was. Yeah. Just trying to remind myself what I could do to make it better, how to be in control of it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would want to lay there and yeah, get in the covers the whole time. And how about today? Do you still have any, any side effects? Yeah, there's still some. There's a little neuropathy in uh, my uh, hands and feet, a little bit of tingling, um, dropping some things sometimes, um, a little bit of the uh, the chemo brain. Sometimes mm-hmm, I forget mm-hmm. some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's say I like chalk up to that. It feels better saying it's good chemo to say brain that, right? Yeah. I say that too sometimes. It's been a long time since I've had chemo. So yeah, I use that chemo brain sometimes a little bit too much, which is a scary thing, which is a very scary thing. So um, given what you know about yourself and your journey, what would you tell anyone today who was just diagnosed with breast cancer? What would you, what would be your advice to them? Maybe a couple things. The first would be do what you can to be in control, that you are the driver of this. If you don't feel comfortable with your doctor, with the recommendation, with the medication, say something, be an advocate, do what you can. Be in control. It makes you feel better. And research yourself. Research things. Yes. Yes. Definitely do that. Don't be afraid to speak up to your doctor and tell your doctor Mm -hmm. how you're feeling. Yes. And finding a good one is so important. Finding someone you can talk to. I mean, I was very fortunate. I found an amazing doctor. He spent an hour and a half with me the first time I met him, gave me his uh, cell phone so I could text questions. was just amazing. That's here in Orlando, that one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was. All right. And I think the second thing would be really to find, find the positives of it. I mean, I certainly wouldn't wish this journey on anybody but there are positive things that come out of it, whether it's you see the beauty of everybody around you who try to help. You see your own strength. You see you can recognize how amazing your body is to recover. Um, the grace you find from it. You know, I, again, I, I don't wish this journey on anybody. I know what you, but exactly I wish the, what you're saying. the outcomes on everybody. I wish everyone could have that experience about the perspective. And- there is a reason. I, I Sometimes I think there's a reason that we are diagnosed with what we are diagnosed with. I don't know what the reason is all the time, but I know that something deep down inside of me says you're here for a reason and that happened to you for a reason. So just go with it. And I would not wish it on anybody myself, but I'm glad it happened to me. Yeah. Because look, I wouldn't be talking to you today. That's one of the biggest silver linings of this whole thing is the, yeah, the, my tribe of people that I know are a diverse group of women, but, would have my back in a second and who I know I would always depend on. And I always be there for them too. Cool. Cool. Now, how, now let, let's go back to your family real quick. Um, you, you, how old is your daughter? I have two. Um, my oldest. Oh, I thought you had a daughter and a son. So you've got no, two no. daughters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. Okay. Two children. Yes. Uh, my oldest Carly, she is 26. She'll okay. be 27 this year. Does she have concerns? Do uh, either one of them have concerns that, that maybe they're going to be diagnosed someday. Oh, definitely. Yes. Especially when, um, yeah, she's 26. My youngest, Emma is 25. And oh, you had them very husband, close together. I did. I did. Yeah. They're, which, they're beautiful. They're, they're, I, I, they're which ones did I meet at the, at the walk? Oh, uh, let's see. Emma was there at the walk. Let's see. 
I know Carly's been there on different occasions too, but I'm not sure I'm that sorry. you guys, yeah, yeah. no worries. <laughs> um, but because my husband also had prostate cancer oh, two times. So did mine. Uh, One time. And because the, that runs in the family and now breast cancer too, because of the two, you know, which sure, are you it's know, a scary thing. relating to uh, I guess similar uh, tumors. Right. That they're at an increased chance of getting it based on those two factors. So gotcha. they'll be tested much earlier, I'm sure. And you work for a company, from what I understand, that's very flexible and they were, they treated you great during your. They certainly did. Yeah. Very, very flexible. We're very supportive and even offering to look at other treatment options for me. Um, really? So even looking at some other treatment options in Germany, uh, my boss's husband had a type of cancer that was treated really well overseas and did that. So she, they were even encouraging me to do that. Um, I took three months off. And when I, I came back full time uh -huh. and when I came back, I started uh, radiation immediately oh, okay. and I did my eight hours and then went to radiation. But so they were, they were very flexible. That's awesome. And still continue to be. That's awesome. I'm very lucky. That's really, really good. So well, do you have to go back? How often do you go back to your oncologist and... Well, I think uh, now I'm up to every six months. Okay. Uh, I get mammograms every six months as well. Uh -huh. So it's really just watching everything now. And I also take a daily uh, a daily pill that suppresses the estrogen. Which, because, which drug is that? Uh, it's a natrazole, which is a uh, uh, eritomase inhibitor, which just means that it blocks Ooh, you the estrogen. The link. You got the I hope I said it right. I'm it not even sounds sure like it's it right. perfect. Well, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it... Uh, it uh, uh, suppresses the estrogen that makes the cancer that kind of grows my cancer. Okay. So okay. that's why I take every year. I'll be doing that or every day for the next 10 years. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. But that's all I do. But, you know, in looking back, we you know when I talked about not knowing about whether I should do the chemotherapy or not, and it's all kind of, you know, it's all gray area. Things always change in breast cancer and breast cancer research. And I was looking online this morning and my gray area that was gray then now is a definitely have chemotherapy oh, because so your decision was perfect. Yes. You don't always get that. Yeah. You made the right decision and you know, it's always right for you. But now I have evidence now that, okay, I feel pretty good. I did make the right decision. Well, I have to say Vicki Migots, you are a beautiful person inside <sighs> and out. You're absolutely gorgeous oh. with and without hair. <laughs> and I, and I'm not just saying that. And um, I love you for being here today. Thank you. I thank, love you so much. Thank you so much, Vicki. I hope we'll be friends forever. Pinky. I know we will. Pinky. Love you. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Just Talk with Justine. If you like what you've heard, please rate, comment, and subscribe. We love talking to breast cancer fighters and survivors. If you have any questions, you can email me at justine at justtalkwithjustine.com.